Out of the depths have I called to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears consider well the voice of my supplication. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Wow, I'm looking like a full house in here. <laughs> it's good to see you all and uh, to hear you all um, singing. It's a, a joyful thing. Uh, we have some uh, wonderful um, scripture passages. We have that great lament there of, uh, of David, how the mighty have fallen, weeping over his um, challenger, Saul, I guess, and his beloved friend, Jonathan. We have what, uh, during the uh, Wednesday morning Bible study, we thought could have been perhaps um, a uh, bit of a stewardship sermon for David. David, where are you for next time? That little passage there from 2 Corinthians where Paul is talking about finish the job that you have begun. And he says, of course, you know, I'm just giving you advice. I'm not ordering you all to do it. I'm just giving you some advice because you said you were going to do it. And now it's time to bring that uh, to fruition. But we also have the gospel and the Psalm 130. De profundus. Those are the Latin words that give the opening of Psalm 130. Out of the depths. The verse is a universal plea. Lord, hear my voice. Consider well the voice of my supplication. From the abyss of sorrow and pain, the psalmist cries out, Desperation and anxiety, hope and fear accompany the prayer. Will the Lord hear? Will the Lord respond? Today's gospel tells us the answer is yes. Today's good news is that the answer is yes. Out of the depths we cry and into the depths Christ comes, bringing restoration and new life. The gospel story also shows us the wideness of God's mercy in the kingdom inaugurated by his son, a kingdom not bound by the confused emotions and power struggles of this world. Here, there is compassion for the high and mighty as well as for the lowly and weak. Here, there is forgiveness and love, love so profound and pure that it does not keep account of wrongs, here, there is a love whose response does not depend on our worthiness. For as the psalmist says, if you, Lord, were to note what is done amiss, O Lord, who could stand? For there is forgiveness with you. Here, our Lord comes into the abyss, into the depths of even the places that are only mentioned in private and are held close to the heart. If you, Lord, were to note what is done amiss, O oh Lord, who could stand? Consider Jairus, a leader of the synagogue. Now, consider, was he among those who scoffed at Jesus and held him in suspicion when the paralytic was healed? Did he join those whispering blasphemy when Jesus declared 
man's sins to be forgiven. Perhaps, perhaps he was. And yet here, in the gospel story, we find him falling at Jesus' feet and crying out from the depths of his soul, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. In these words, we hear the psalmist's anguished plea, Lord, hear my voice, consider well the voice of my supplication. This is the prayer of anyone who has had a loved one struck down by a sudden disease. This is the fervent, urgent prayer said through tears at the bedside, said on our knees in the chapel, said and sung in a thousand languages. The Gullah people on the islands of, uh, off of uh, South Carolina would say, Kumbaya, come by here. Someone needs you, Lord. Come by here. Send us a blessing and healing, Lord. Kumbaya. And so Jesus set out for that dark place where the angel of death sought another soul. But first, first amidst the pressing crowd was someone who needed his immediate attention, someone beset and afflicted without status, someone impoverished and set apart. The Bible says she had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. Perhaps it was endometriosis or some other uterine disorder. It just went on and on, stopping and starting, stopping and starting, constantly keeping her on the fringes of her society. 12 years, it's a long time. Think back to 2009, Barack Obama just been inaugurated as president. And Chesley Sullenberger III, Sully, to the rest of us, made that miraculous landing of his Airbus A320 in the Hudson River, saving everyone on board. And only the scientists had heard of the coronavirus. Twelve years, it's a long time. Long enough for a little girl to be born, to grow up and be on the brink of death. Long enough for a woman to almost give up her hope. But at some point, at some point she heard about Jesus. Maybe, maybe it was the leper, a fellow outsider deemed unclean. Maybe he's the one who told her how the man from Nazareth had healed him cleansed him and set him off to rejoin society. Maybe that's how she heard. And so her prayers took on a renewed and fervent urgency, and still she waited and prayed, I wait for the Lord, as the psalmist says. My soul waits for him. In his word is my hope. If we were to have this passage perhaps from the Gospel of John, and we ran across a line that said, in his word is my hope. John says that the word was made flesh, that the word was Jesus Christ, and so in a sense we could say, in Jesus Christ is my hope. She says, her, her hope and her faith combined, just as Jairus came to Jesus with a sense of expectation and faith that Jesus could save his daughter. The woman slipped up behind him saying, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. 
Out of the depths, she cried. De profundus, out of the depths, she cried. If I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Faith pulled her into the crowd. The preacher from the Sermon of the Hebrews tells us, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction things not seen. And St. Paul, in his great letter to the Romans, writes, For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. My soul waits for the Lord, says the psalmist, more than watchman for the morning. Twelve years of prayer. Twelve years enduring one medical failure after another. Twelve years of watching her savings dwindle until she had nothing. Nowadays now, many of us have insurance. Yet still, a catastrophic illness or an accident can drain the bank, leaving us like the woman, broke, with Jesus as our only hope. And woe! Woe to those who do not have insurance. If you ever look at the real charges of a hospital bill. Twelve years of bleeding. Twelve years praying, hoping, waiting. Like watchmen on the ramparts of ancient cities. Robert Alter, one of our great Old Testament scholars, offers this description of the vivid imagery that lies behind the woman's persevering prayer. He writes, the watchman sitting through the last three watches of the night, peering into the darkness for the first sign of dawn, that cannot equal my intense expectancy for God's redeeming word to come to me in my dark night of the soul. For God's redeeming word made flesh to come into the abyss where I lie. And then Jesus appears like the sun at the break of day. Healing power surrounds him, and dozens of hands press against him, dozens of people, but one he feels most of all. And she also feels something, a change in her body. The bleeding has stopped. Twelve years of misery and shame gone. Body and soul rejoice. Like Jairus, she too falls at Jesus' feet, though not in beseeching prayer, but in thanksgiving. Daughter, he tells her, drawing her back into the human family with a single word. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Her faith provided a channel, a pathway, if you will, for Jesus' power, and thus she was healed and restored and given new life. Do not fear, only believe, Jesus told Jairus upon the news of his daughter's death. He could see the father's faith crumbling, sorrow. I'm sure we all know sorrow can break us all. Yet here we can find a subtle hint of our prayer 
from the first Sunday of Lent, and words from the prophet Zephaniah. The Lord your God is among you, and he is mighty to save. Do not fear, only believe. Out of the depths we cry, and into the depths he comes. Mark's gospel depicts Jesus as being engaged in a cosmic battle against pain and evil, disorder and chaos, and yes, even death. The cross is the final battleground where seeming defeat becomes lasting victory. And today's gospel passage gives us two skirmishes along the way to Calvary. Today we see him as the savior of an outcast woman and a grieving family. We call him Savior. As our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ taught us, we now pray. Savior, not because this is an honorific title that is born of Christian piety. No, he is Savior because, in fact, he saves us and rescues us and restores us. He is Savior because when from the depths of anguish and confusion we cry, Lord, hear my voice, he hears us and comes to our side. And brothers and sisters, that is the good news of Jesus Christ. Out of the depths, 